This is Crossroads, the Get Religion podcast. It presents itself as a story about President Biden's religion with respect to abortion. The New York Times headline, Biden is an uneasy champion on abortion. Can he lead the fight in post-Roe America? A practicing Catholic, President Biden has long sought a middle ground on abortion, but activists see the decision to overturn Roe v. Wade as a sign that Democrats have tiptoed too carefully around the issue. A strange headline and a stranger story. I doubt that it's really about Biden's religion, maybe about something else. Greetings and welcome to Crossroads with Terry Mattingly. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. Terry is Senior Fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi. He's author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion, and he's founder and editor of Get Religion. Terry, welcome back. Glad to be here. We've read almost this exact story regarding Biden and abortion before. What's unusual in this latest New York Times story? Well, there's one obvious level, and that is not so much what's in the story as what isn't in the story. Normally, when you see stories that, you know, you and I have for years now talked about the devout Catholic phenomena, where that adjective is used over and over and over to describe people that are either unconventional Catholics, or I would say they're perfectly normal American Catholics, which doesn't necessarily mean that they're devout in terms of, if devout has anything whatsoever to do with holding Catholic doctrines, that's the whole point. Is there any doctrinal content to the Catholic faith? And of course, there is in terms of history and everything else, but there doesn't seem to be in how the press views the lives of many, many Catholic politicians. And that would include some Republicans, Rudy Giuliani leaps to mind, but more often than not, the big battles have been Democrats on the national stage, and in particular those who are either running for President of the United States, now have been elected President of the United States, or hold some other position, like Speaker of the House or something like that. So what's missing from this story, I guess the single most obvious thing, I kept waiting at some point. I knew they were going to get like a quote from the Catholic Catechism, because to do that, you don't have to sully your hands by talking to any actually conservative Catholics. You can just look that up online, cut and paste it in, and that's that. Well, I kept thinking, at some point in this story, we're going to at least read a couple of quotes from Pope Francis, which would allow them to set up the Pope Francis has continued to say this, while Pope Francis, the person, has continued to do the following when dealing with Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and other Catholics and Democrats in public life. That it gives, allows you to give kind of the whataboutism thing going on between Pope Francis. And frankly, that's a valid thing to do. But this man has said some spectacularly pro-life stuff. Very strong language. I even like to note that early in his papacy, the famous quote about 
Catholics are stressing abortion too much or we've made it too central to our politics. That occurred, that quote, this is never pointed out in the press, that quote occurred the day before he delivered the keynote address at the Nation of Italy's pro-life rally or pro-life conference in which he basically said in much of the world abortion is being used as a form of colonialism to help drive down cultures that have a higher view of life and particularly in terms of the number of children they would have. So I kept waiting for the Francis quote, maybe the one where he compares getting an abortion to hiring a mafia hitman to take somebody out, which is not a bad soundbite. But there is nothing in this piece from Pope Francis, and there's nothing in the piece from a lot of other obvious sources that we can get into as we look through it, and particularly as we look at who is quoted in this story, in at least one case who's quoted you know, multiple times. So you said you had a theory as to why these things are not there. What is your theory? Well, I mean, it's, it's more a theory, it's a twofold theory, about why this story exists the way that it does. And the first of which, I think this is a part of the growing folder of stories from some of the more liberal elements of the mainstream press that are going into the category of Joe Biden has suddenly gotten very, very old. And we need reasons to either oppose him or think other members of the administration need to step in and do things that are bolder, stronger, etc. It could even be read as a kind of a warning shot, although this issue is never mentioned. It could be kind of a warning shot when they keep saying over and over, stronger measures are needed, it's time for radical action, da-da-da-da-da. It could be a sign to say, this guy really should consider packing the court at this point. He really should consider taking some other measure that puts a different set of voices on the court. So that's part of it. The second thing, though, it's funny because the image that keeps coming into my mind, are you a Star Trek fan? Yes, I have been in the past. Well, and you remember, of course, that kind of a plot device that was built into the original show, and it shows up occasionally after that because there are Vulcans other than Spock. But, you know, when in doubt, when you absolutely have to have some information and there's no way in the script to logically get it, that's when Spock does the mind meld, right? Where he puts his hand up to the side of somebody's face and puts those Vulcan fingers of his in a particular little constellation of pressure points on their face. And all of a sudden he can access, he can download the, the contents of their mind on specific memories or sometimes just all of them or kind of whatever the plot needs. When I was reading the story and I got through with it, I went, okay, why does this story exist? And I think to some degree, the editors of the New York Times on the assignment desk did a mind meld with their own readers and kind of said, gosh, we really need to tell our readers once again 
that Joe Biden may not be liberal enough. Since that's what our readers are probably thinking right now, they might be thinking he's too old as well. But I think what you sense in this story, especially when you consider who isn't quoted in this story, what you have here is kind of a Vulcan mind meld between the editors of the New York Times and the readership. And the purpose of the story is tell them what they already know, but say it louder, update it, update the thesis. This guy is old and may not be radical enough, which is interesting because at that point you have to ask, well, what is it that Joe Biden hasn't done yet on the side of the abortion cause? And it's really interesting. They keep saying that Joe Biden still rests in the middle ground of America on the issue of abortion. And I'm trying to think, what is the middle ground in that point of view? Is it that abortion is legal, but it has the limits that are actually favored by the vast majority of the American people? When you kind of ask them, well, what limitations would you put on abortion? And the American people seem to want, we've talked about this many times, they seem to want something that more resembles a lot of the nations in Europe, which can functionally at the very least be that they're not comfortable with abortion at all in the second and third trimesters. Or in some cases, their views would come close to being a heartbeat bill, or at the very least, a kind of ban on abortion after 10 weeks or 12 weeks. Well, if that's the middle, where on the right you have either a complete ban on abortion or you have a ban on abortion other than in the extremely rare cases of rape or incest or whatever. And you clearly, I mean, even under Catholic law, you would have abortion under situations where it's not actually an abortion. In the certain types of pregnancies that are dangerous to the life of the woman. And it, under church teaching, it's just not considered an abortion to end a pregnancy in the tubes or something like that. I'm dancing around trying to pronounce, how do you pronounce it? Ectopic? Ectopic. Ectopic. So you, got, you have a different emphasis there. So anyway, obviously we've had a lot of information lately that after the fall of Roe, even those procedures would be illegal. And I don't know anyone anywhere who doesn't think that those procedures are moral. They may be tragic, but they're certainly moral. And there's been Leah Labresca Sargent wrote a an amazing piece about her own experience with pregnancies of that kind and stuff. So what's the middle ground? And the hint in the article is the middle ground, in the view of this article in the New York Times, the middle ground is actually Roe v. Wade. And that there were people who thought the Democratic Party should have gone further and that Biden apparently at several points has said we don't need to do anything stronger in the world of abortion because we we have Roe v. Wade. And that there are apparently, there's that mind meld again, there apparently are people who think that stronger action should have been taken quite some time ago to codify all of the elements of Roe v. Wade. And I would stress, very importantly, the follow-up decisions linked to Roe v. Wade which gave us a different interpretation of 
what constitutes the health of the mother is defined as mental health, etc. But apparently, from the viewpoint of this Times piece, middle ground on abortion was Roe v. Wade, which at some point then I think we needed a clearer description of what the Times considers to have been appropriate actions that are to the moral, political, and even theological, since we're talking about Biden and abortion and his Catholicism, what's to the left of Roe v. Wade that Biden is being chided for not having done? So, Terry, this week, or maybe late last week, Maureen Dowd wrote a column that I kind of retitled, Biden's doing such a good job, he should quit. She basically said he's accomplished so much in the last couple of weeks he shouldn't run again in 2024. He should quit while he's ahead. And it fits into a genre of journalism that I heard you mention there, that first possibility that you were talking about, which is essentially telegraphing the message to the administration. You know, you're not the, you're nice to get rid of Trump, but we don't really need you going forward. And so it's kind of in politic to say that Biden is a weak president so I'm wondering, does this New York Times piece actually, is it about his religion at all, or is the religion just an easy hook for sending that message? That, that's a really intriguing question. And it, it's fascinating, again, the, the basic structure of the story is over and over and over. You have Biden being criticized from the left and this includes, I, I would stress, only some elements of the Catholic left. But it's clear if the largest group, and listeners will remember, I hope, that we've discussed this many times, if the largest identifiable group of religious-type people in the modern Democratic Party has become the coalition of atheists, agnostics, and the religiously unaffiliated. If that is now the largest group, as the great pollster John C. Green started predicting almost a dozen, 15 years ago or something like that, we should be expecting to see more tensions inside the Democratic Party between openly secular Democrats and the remaining Democrats that, to one degree or another, either are traditional religious believers of some kind. And at that point, you have to think African-Americans, Latinos, etc. But you, you have to have people, maybe even who take religiously seriously enough, even if they're secular, and they want to consider not splitting the religious believers out of the coalition, I wondered at this point, are we actually hearing a critique in this story that simply says, gosh, this guy has done everything he could possibly do in terms of actions to modify that once troubling middle position that Biden tried to walk as a Catholic. And this is a guy, the story notes that at one point he supported an amendment that would have tried to send the decisions about abortion back to the states. Now, this was a long, long time ago, 1982. 
it mentions that. Well, gosh, that's several Joe Bidens ago in terms of him recreating his position. It's also fascinating. The story says that Biden still bases his current position on abortion explicitly on the content of his Catholic faith or how he views the teachings of the church. And we never really find out how do you get to public funding for abortion for no, zero limitations on abortion access or what functionally is a kind of abortion on demand. I kept waiting for some Joe Biden quotes in which he explains how his Catholic beliefs lead to his current position, which I think he would still say is personally opposed, but, you know, the classic Cuomo Notre Dame address position that kind of laid out that, that strategy that liberal Democrats who are Catholic have been using ever since. I am personally opposed because my own beliefs make me uncomfortable with abortion because of what my church teaches, but I completely favor the U.S. government staying out of that, and staying out of that is not a kind of Jimmy Carter neutrality where the government isn't involved in abortion on the negative or the plus side. This is neutrality is basically whatever the government wants to do to promote abortion, to fund abortion, whatever. I think it's okay for me to even actively work for those options politically because that's what my party and my voters want me to do. But, you know, somewhere in the back of my mind, tucked away in the pocket with my rosary, is my still latent personal belief that the church is right on this issue, that church teachings on this issue are right. Now, notice that this is different, and the story mentions it. This is different than Joe Biden's position on gay marriage and a lot of other aspects of LGBTQI plus theory, where Biden has in his actions and also in some words, which you rarely see quoted, has hauled off and said, I believe the church is wrong and the church needs to evolve and change on this issue. So what is Biden's theological, doctrinal stand on abortion right now? You would think that would be a key element of this story and something they would allow people on both sides of the issue to debate since they have said explicitly, this is a practicing Catholic. He says his views are shaped by his faith and are based on his faith. At some point, it would have been good to let us know then what that was, what that means. So you had mentioned people who were missing from this piece. What's your list of who needed to be in it? Yeah, it's not so much individuals, although I've got one individual I could propose. First of all, you look at who is in it. We have Catholics for Choice is quoted twice, and there's nobody to the left of Catholics for Choice. Emily's list, which works in favor of rights candidates, um, basically kind of weakly defends him. He's fighting for the cause. He's using the political tools he has. You have the National Institute for Reproductive Choice, and that's exactly what you would expect. You have Kathleen Sebelius, the Secretary of Health and Human Services under the Obama administration, is quoted 
and you have NARAL pro-choice America is quoted. And in an intriguing episode, you have a priest from Cornwall, England, who is quoted as saying, I won't tell you whether I gave him communion when he dropped in on my church during a major economic European summit. And it's between him and God anyway. So you have kind of a classic, I don't have to talk about this because I'm a priest and I don't tell you what we do sort of thing. Now, there is one interesting voice, John Carr of Georgetown, does deliver some slightly nuanced material in here. And John Carr, would, I think, is an excellent source to have interviewed. But who's missing? First of all, there are no conservative Catholics in this piece. At no point, other than, like I said, a cut-and-paste reference out of the Catechism, at no point do we hear from conservative Catholic bishops, for example. Even if you just wanted, if you couldn't get yourself to call them up, or maybe they don't want to talk to the New York Times, there are plenty of major Catholic leaders that you could have quoted from speeches that are available on YouTube and are available on the Internet. I also thought it was interesting that there were no quotes from pro-life Democrats in the piece. Because I would have thought that Catholic pro-lifers who are still in the Democratic Party, that strikes me as a fairly logical group of people to turn to for commentary on how he has handled Democrats on this issue. So kind of a, a morally conservative Democrat is missing. And then most intriguingly, and this is where Pope Francis fits in, but there are others, there are no liberal pro-lifers. There are no people who are clearly politically liberal in every sort of way, but they still continue to defend the Catholic Church's teachings on abortion. And at the top of that list, in my mind, would be the controversial priest on LGBTQ issues, and that would be Father James Martin, which, if you follow him on Twitter, still weighs in on a fairly regular basis, weighs in in defense of the Church's teachings on the sanctity of human life from conception to natural death. So there are liberal Catholics who would normally be gung-ho pro-Joe Biden, but it would have been interesting to have even let liberal Catholics who are pro-life defend the Church's teachings and kind of critique if there's some sort of uneasiness in Joe Biden's support for abortion rights, that would have been an interesting group of people to talk to. So those are the three most obvious kind of drawers in the filing cabinet that I think an experienced reporter should have popped those drawers open and pulled out some names and phone numbers and given them a call. Okay, so that kind of returns me to my working theory that this isn't really a story about the president's religion, because if it were, I think even the laziest journalist would feel the yeah. need to get some religious voices in there other than the pro-choice Roman Catholics there. Yeah, and this guy from Georgetown, John Carr. Maybe I can meet you halfway on what you're saying. I do think this story is about Joe Biden's religion, and I think the story is saying that lots and lots and lots of Democrats are uncomfortable with even the religious 
position, stance, and style of Joe Biden. And in our mind meld with our readers, we needed to go back again and let them know that we know they're uncomfortable every time he pulls the rosary out. And we know that maybe he's too old and maybe he's not doing enough, although we never find out what doing enough would mean. And we never find out the actual contents of Joe Biden's faith beliefs on abortion. And that's supposed to be the heart of the whole story. So I mainly think it's about discomfort with Joe Biden. And age is clearly part of that. But part of it is his Catholic image and style. And to get that point across, you need lots and lots and lots of people to criticize that style, and to criticize somehow vaguely what he hasn't done that we think he needs to do. And like I said, looming behind it, one of my theories was this is the mind with readers, and our readers are uncomfortable, so we need to kind of reassure them we understand they're uncomfortable with this guy on religion and his Catholic beliefs and practice. But the other part of it is, yes, I do think you're right that this is a story that gets filed somewhere at the political desk of the New York Times. And this is clearly a political desk story. Again, I'm looking down to see. No, this is not coming out of the religion desk, and I don't see evidence the religion desk took part in the reporting of it. I'll go all the way to the end and see if I missed some sort of reference from research assistants from the religion desk or something like that. I'm scrolling and scrolling. No, I don't see any sign of the religion desk in this story at all. So I think you can safely file it in the Joe Biden is too old. And yeah, he may even be too Catholic, although we don't have any idea what that would mean. It's both of those. I wanted to finish by asking you to comment on the headline itself. Because, number one, I'm not a journalist, but I think uneasy is a word that appears there, and I think that fits, but does it belong yeah. in the headline, Biden is an uneasy champion on abortion? And then it asks that question, can he lead in the fight post-Roe America? Yeah, I think that part of the headline is pretty good, and it is definitely what the story's about and what it says. But if you keep reading, you get a practicing Catholic President Biden has long sought a middle ground on abortion. Once again, there's that thing. Now, several Joe Bidens ago, I think you could say he was searching for a middle ground on abortion. I think that's accurate, but that was a long time ago. Then here you go, but activists see the decision to overturn Roe v. Wade as a sign. And boy, are we going to quote the activist on that. That Democrats have tiptoed too carefully around the issue. When I read that the first time, I was thinking, what is it that they think Democrats need to be doing that represents a more aggressive stance on abortion than what they've done? And the only things that left to mind, and this is not mentioned again, but what could be stronger? Well, you have the whole attempt to codify it into law, which is now problematic because obviously we have the Dobbs decision. But at some point you have to say, do they really want 
the court packed. The other thing the story never addressed, and you and I have talked about it several times, this is now in the state legislatures where we're going to get attempts to find middle ground. In states like Kansas and whatever else, you're going to have people say, we don't want abortion banned, but we are willing to limit it in the following ways that represent severe limitations on abortion rights. But limitations, this story never addresses whether Joe Biden might actually, in his heart of heart, favor a more European approach to the issue of abortion and an approach that would actually represent A, middle ground, and B, the actual position taken by a majority of Democrats. Terry Mattingly is senior fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi. He's author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion, and he's founder and editor of Get Religion. Terry, thanks. Glad to be here. I'm Todd Wilkin. I'll talk with you next week. Thanks for listening to Crossroads with Terry Mattingly. Crossroads is a production of Get Religion, part of the First Amendment projects at the Overby Center at the University of Mississippi. If you appreciate this podcast, please make a secure online tax-deductible donation at getreligion.org.